0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We're going to go back into this series. We've been talking about knowing the nature of God, the privilege that we have of knowing his nature. And last week... Uh, we started talking about His nature as our healer, and I want to pick up on that again this morning. We'll review a little bit, and then there's some things that we began to talk about last week that I feel like we really need to stand on this morning. So we'll just trust the Holy Spirit uh, to show us where to get on and where to get off. Obviously, and, and honestly, I didn't. I don't choose what I'm going to talk about based on circumstances. We all know that we are in a time right now where and evident here this morning, where a lot of people are struggling with sickness, not just COVID. I've had a problem from the very beginning of all this with the level of authority that we have given as a society to a disease. And as Christians, it's a disease. Jesus carried it to the cross. I know it makes some people really sick. I get it. Okay. Lots of diseases do that. None of them have the right to trespass in our lives. And so I, I want us to come back to this. But anyway, I, I just felt impressed as we were talking about God's nature. He just started bringing up a lot of scriptures about healing. We do uh, live in a time with tremendous opportunity to pray for the sick. And there are just some things that I really want to talk to you in this. I don't know how long we'll be in this. It kind of took me by surprise. But I want to talk to you about some practical things along the way about us ministering to people. And we get so easily turned aside, I think, when when we don't see an instantaneous healing. For example, in ourselves or in people we pray for. And, and we saw last week that one of the things, one of the words that's used about healing in the scripture means a progressive healing. We uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I won't jump out ahead of myself. So there are just a lot of little areas i I love there there's certain people that I like to listen to and hang around in their meetings because they have this really joyous attitude about praying for the sick, and it's not because every person they lay hands on is immediately healed; they just are so excited about seeing Jesus do these things that sometimes they'll almost sort of experiment, put their hands on somebody and wow, they they received this much or they really got impacted by the Holy Spirit. And uh, Randy Clark, for one, will, will say, let's just keep doing it. Let's see what happens. You know, let's see how much God will give them. Let's see what happens to them. You know, I mean, it's almost this childlike approach to ministering. To people, and uh, I like that. I think we get too caught up it 's great for us to learn. We need to lay hands on people. we can anoint people with oil. we can break and i 'm a teacher, so we break these things down to learn the principles. but as we begin to move in them for ourselves or for others let 's keep it childlike let's let's just let 's learn those things let 's learn the word let 's learn how God works and who he is, but then let 's just go out and for lack of a better term, experiment, you know, he says, go lay hands on the sick. Well, I'm going to go lay hands on the sick, you know? And I think in that, all the people that I know that see a lot of success in bringing healing to people, uh, it's because they just started practicing. They just started doing what the word said to do, and they just didn't get discouraged. And they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And they got sharper and sharper about hearing what God wanted, doing what God wanted. So I want us to begin this morning over in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, because again, some of this is review, but I want you to remember as as this is like foundation for the whole principle of healing, divine healing, whether it's healing we're receiving or healing we're distributing Or both. A lot of times you get healed when you're praying for somebody else's healing. But whatever it is, there are certain foundational things that we've got to have in our hearts or we're never going to be sure that God wants to heal or that he wants to heal all the time or that he wants to use us. We've got to have some foundation. And one of those principles is that God is a healer by nature. By nature. It's not just something he does. It is who he is. And and that begins right here or it begins for me, uh right here in Exodus chapter fifteen. So let's just let's just read this and it's verse twenty six. I'm reading to you from the New King James right now. It says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So I want to break this down a little bit. I want to start at the end there. I am, you guys know, I think, what an important phrase that is. When, when God sent Moses, remember, to speak to Pharaoh, and Moses said, who should I say is sending me? God said, I am that I am. That phrase, when when uh, Jesus in his ministry said, before Abraham was, I am. To the Jews, that meant he's claiming to be God. Because God has identified himself with, in, our, in English we have this phrase, I am. It means this is my nature. I have my nature completely within myself i'm not dependent on anybody or anything for who i am i just am i am eternal i am eternally existent i am eternally unchanging it is just this sense in god that this is who i am and it's a declarative sentence that tells us not just what he does if you say um Saying I practice medicine is different than saying I am a doctor, right? There's a difference between what we do and who we are, all right? And here God is saying, this is who I am. It's, it's uh, when, when the Lord's, when, you know, God is love. God is throughout the Old Testament, there's a whole list of, of redemptive names that he gave to us saying, I am your provider. I am your shepherd. I am your peace. I am your healer. There are all these lists of names in the Hebrew language. This is one of them. He is saying literally, I am Jehovah, which of course is his covenant name. I am Jehovah Rapha, R-A-P-H-A. And I told you last week, there's a whole group of words in the Old Testament around the word rapha. That word means to heal, it means to mend, it means to repair what was broken, to restore what had fallen apart, but its primary meaning is physical healing. Sometimes, a few times, and it's used dozens and dozens of times to mean physical healing. And once in a while, it's used of the healing of the soul, once in a while. Once in a while, it's used actually of healing the land, but it always means to heal, to repair, to mend, to put back together. And almost always speaks of physical healing, healing of the physical body. So this is what he says. I am, this is who I am. Your God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals you. So, the, I want to go over a little bit of the rest of this passage because there's some good things in here. So he starts out and he says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you I put on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. So we know that it is God's desire because of his nature to heal. But he He emphasizes here the importance of listening And doing. And throughout the scripture, we're including the New Testament, we are told that we should hear what the Lord is saying. We should listen. We should make ourselves attentive. We should prick up the ears, is the picture toward what God is saying because his word is full of life. His word is full of power. His word contains his will. His word contains the ability to bring itself to pass. I mean, we have all these principles around this idea of hearing and and the idea of hearing throughout the scripture is given to us with this context. Here, when, when Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, then hear, that word means to listen with the intent to do, with the intent to obey. You know, we can think of lots of different situations. I remember a wedding we did uh, many years ago uh, where we we were at the practice and uh, the, I don't remember if there was a wedding coordinator, or if it was us, I don't remember. But anyway, we're at the practice for the wedding and we were, so we are going through it, telling everybody, here's where you're going to stand. This is how it's going to go. This is the order of the service. You know, this this person's doing this, that person's doing that. It goes in this order, all that kind of thing. The groom and his brothers were just goofing off the whole time. You could not get them to stop just goofing off and laughing and messing around the whole time. And so the day of the wedding, the groom and his brothers, who were all central in the wedding, had no idea where they're supposed to stand, what they're supposed to do, what's happening next. And the groom was terrified. And he kept asking me questions, well, what do I do? What are we supposed to, you know? It's like, too bad you didn't listen with the intent to obey yesterday. And there were consequences to that, not from me, from the bride. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to get in the middle of it. We just let her take care of it later, okay? But anyway, so we know the difference between listening with the intent to obey. And this is what the Lord's saying here. And and this phrase, he says, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. That's the kind of phrase that people will pull out to say that God makes people sick, okay? So let's think about it. When did God put sickness or disease on? on the Egyptians. Who did he put it on? The Egyptians. In what context? In the context of judgment. Think back to when Moses was bringing those people, getting ready to bring those people out. What did the Lord do? He gave the Egyptians opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to obey his word, which was let my people go, right? Went to him over and over and over they refused to do what he was telling them to do. And so the consequence of that was judgment. Why? Because in the Old Testament, one of the big lessons of the Old Testament is that sin is serious and it has consequences. And we see in the Old Testament, what we see is sin and the consequence of sin with. Out the provision of grace that we live in. We live this side of the cross. If you're a believer today, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the, the word makes it really clear. You will never experience the wrath of God. You will never experience his judgment because Jesus already took the judgment for our sin. Thank God. God. So yes, under the old covenant, there was a point. One of the one of the results, I mean, there were frogs, there was darkness. You know the story. There were all kinds of things progressively getting worse. One of them was plagues that came upon Egypt. But that was that was judgment. That's not for us. Okay, does so that make sense to you? So, but the rest of this verse is a promise from God and a declaration of who he is. So again, our point for this is for us to know with absolutely no doubt, my God is a healer. And we're told in the new covenant, we're told, go lay hands on the sick. Doesn't say on sick believers, we can lay hands on sick believers, we should. But it doesn't say just believers. And so often we, we keep saying this healing is the calling card of the gospel. And you hear this from every missionary that I know, every certainly every spirit filled missionary that's out there doing this type of work, God will come in and work tremendous miracles and healings in group of people, groups of people that don't know him yet, and they then they see what he's doing. They want to find out who this God is. They want to know who that Jesus is that brought healing to their children, healing to their families. So this is who he is by nature. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so a couple other verses we looked at last week. I'll just read them to you real quick. Uh, Exodus chapter 23, Exodus 23. Write some of these down and I would encourage you, I'll just put it that way, to write some of these verses down and then go and spend time meditating in them. Exodus 23, verses 25 and 26. So shall you serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Those are great promises. And those are promises that we can stand on. These are promises we pray over, uh, uh, and hopefully you pray yourself and meditate on, over uh, pregnant pregnancies, pregnant women, pregnant families, You know, however you want to look at that, that there will be no barren. There will be, I guess the barrenness is already taken care of by the time there's a pregnancy. There will be no miscarriage. These are principles, what we have to understand, And we're going to look in a minute. We're going to dive back into this idea of substitution. There are things Jesus provided at the cross. They are 100% done, 100% provided. They belong to us already. Whatever he provided, and honestly, it's every promise is yes and amen in him. Those things belong to us, but essentially they are in our account, but we haven't possessed them all the way in a lot of cases. Everything he provided by grace, we have to receive by faith. We have to appropriate by faith. How do you do that? You meditate on these kinds of promises and get them deep in your heart, and then you receive them. You do. You claim them. You declare them over your life and your family. The blessings that come to us are not just automatic. Even our salvation, we have to choose to make Jesus the Lord of our lives, and then we have to stay in faith toward him as Savior. It's everything that he provided is available. It's free. It comes by grace, but it must be received and appropriated by faith. That's true of healing. It's true of everything that he provided. Here's another one. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. We looked at this last week. I love these verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That just means soul. Mind, emotions, will, you will bless the Lord. You will exalt the Lord. That's what thats what the, the psalmist is saying here. He's telling his mind, emotions, and will to bless the Lord. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. He forgives all your iniquities. I want you to hang on to this this morning as we... Get into this last part. He, he forgives all your iniquities, that means sins, and he heals all your diseases. Those two things are put right together in that verse. All right, one more thing we talked about last week. I'll just say this one time. We've, we each have to settle once and for all in our own thinking that it is always God's will to heal. We don't always see it. I get it, I know, but you cannot allow what you haven't fully understood yet or what you haven't fully experienced yet to rob you of what you know from the Word. We do not base our lives on our experience or our circumstances. We base our lives on this Word and faith in Jesus Christ. We base our lives on his nature and what he has spoken because the two are one. God and his word are absolutely one. He cannot lie. He cannot pretend and fake and try to be somebody. He's not. He is not a liar. There's no shadow of turning in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he said it, it's who he is. We And I can stand here and say that to you all day, but you and I have to establish those facts on the inside of us. We looked last week at Matthew chapter 8 verses one through four. I'll just read part of it to you today. And this is from the Passion Translation. It says, Suddenly a leper walked up to Jesus and threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. And I told you, that's what we run into all the time. Almost every, if, if, if somebody acknowledges there is a God, even if they don't believe or know about Jesus as God or Jehovah God if it if if whoever they're believing in is a god they almost always have the concept that there's power in God okay and certainly in our God in the one God the real God people will acknowledge he has the power to heal but does he want to heal me This leper said, if you really want to. And I love the way this comes out. Jesus said, he reached out his hand, touched the leper and said, of course I want to heal you. Be healed. Of course he wants to heal you. Of course he wants to heal your family. Of course he wants to heal you. Why? Because by nature, he's a healer. It's his nature. Of course he wants to heal you. But we have to settle that we have to settle that in our own hearts. If we're gonna receive healing and we're gonna give healing, we have to settle in our own hearts. It is the Lord's will to heal. How do you do that? Start going through the gospels. I mean, work with some of these scriptures too, but start going through the gospels and look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. There's not one place where he refused to heal anybody or made someone sick to teach them something. It does not exist except in bad theology. That's where it exists. It doesn't exist in the Bible. And as you meditate that word and you take your Bible and you sit down and you read through and you watch what Jesus is doing and you close your eyes and you run those verses through your mind and you allow them to go down into your heart, you will become confident. That's the process of building faith. You'll become confident in the Jesus that's in the Bible, not the Jesus that people try to portray, who isn't anything like the Jesus in the Bible. Okay, does that make sense to you? All right, so those things, I mean, those are foundations. Those are just foundations. So we talked about this last week, but we're just gonna spend the rest of this morning, I I suspect, we only have about 15 minutes left, uh, on this subject right here, that Jesus carried our sickness just as surely as he carried our sin. Most Christians are very confident that Jesus paid for their sin. If they're a Christian, I don't know how they'd become a Christian, without acknowledging Jesus went to the cross and died and he paid for my sin. And what does that mean? That means if Jesus paid for my sin at the cross, I don't have to. I don't have to pay the penalty for my sin. There's a lot of directions we could go just with that right there. I don't have to work to make up for my sin. In fact, if I try to work to make up for my sin, I'm making a huge mistake and I can't do it. I have to accept the work of the cross. I have to accept it in those first moments of receiving him as savior, but also when I sin and we all do he's given me an avenue of repentance and receiving again not a new forgiveness but the same forgiveness again into my heart and being cleansed and being brought back into that vital union relationship with him all right to where there's no blockage between he and i i you know i can come back into righteousness that belongs to me which is right standing with the lord does this make sense to you so people are settled on that well the scripture teaches us that the same payment the same price that was paid for your sin was paid for sickness jesus took both to the cross this the principle you know that theologians talk about with this is called substitution. Jesus became our substitute and the Bible gives us a few specific areas that Jesus became our substitute when he went to the cross. Let me talk to you just for a minute about what that means and we'll look at the verses. If we think about this principle of substitution, all right, what is a substitute? If Jesus became our substitute, so Uh, What that means is a substitute is someone who does what another person can't do for whatever reason. A substitute teacher goes in and teaches a class because for some reason, the the, the main teacher that's usually there couldn't be there. Maybe they're on a trip, maybe they're sick, maybe they're whatever. They couldn't do the class, right? Is that right? And so a substitute comes in and does it. Now, if the substitution is good and done well, and I think we'd all agree that Jesus is a, was a good substitute for us, successful substitute, if the substitution is done well, then the original teacher doesn't come back and redo it. There was a substitute. They don't have to redo. Um, but we use a sugar substitute sometimes. So if you're putting that in your coffee or on your cereal or whatever it is, if you're using a sugar substitute and you're putting it on something, you don't then grab the sugar bowl and also put sugar on, right? Because the substitute did the work. We used to have, when I was a kid, and I I was hoping uh, Boyd couldn't make it today. I figured he'd correct me on this. In, In baseball as kids... We used to call it a switch hitter. I don't know if that's the right term or not. I know nothing about baseball. But as kids, if there was someone who, for whatever reason, was either like me, just couldn't hit a ball to try, or maybe they were injured that day or something, they couldn't hit. All right, So somebody else would step up and hit the ball for them and then they would run around the kid would run around the bases so somebody stepped in and did what they couldn't do and the other kid would run you know go run around the bases you didn't have the switch hitter come in and hit the ball and then have the kid who couldn't hit the ball hit the ball because it had already been done i know this is basic but this is what we've got to get jesus took our sin to the cross. He took our sickness to the cross. He also took poverty to the cross. The Bible says it specifically. So he became, we'll look at it in just a minute. Don't panic. He became our substitute in the area of sin and spiritual death. He actually experienced, what is spiritual death? It's separation from the life of God. It's separation from the Father. When it says he, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, he who knew no sin, had no sin of his own, became, this is another I am word, became our sin. He became our sin on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I just got a text. What do you want to bet it's Boyd? Pitch hitter. Pinch, pinch hitter. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, I'm going back 50 years and something I didn't even care about at the time. So I came up with Switch. Thanks, Boyd. Appreciate that. Oh, see, she's heard both. Yeah, yeah let's go on. <laughs> That's really not, yeah, North Dakota, they called a lot of things, a lot of things. Um so anyway, where was I? So, so Jesus became our sin so that we could become his righteousness. That's substitution. He took ours so that we could have his. Is this making sense to you? I know I'm really dogging on this, but this is so important. And, and so let's look at some other, let's look at these verses. All right. Matthew, so healing is guaranteed In the substitutionary work of Christ at the cross. This is why it's just as solid as Him taking your sin. All right? Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. I think we looked at these last week. It says, When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, so Matthew is watching what Jesus is doing, and he 's quoting a prophecy from Isaiah about the messiah, and he 's saying. Him healing these people, casting out demons, healing these people physically, that is the manifestation of the prophecy that Isaiah gave. We have that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. And it says, all right, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we estimated him stricken, spitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Notice that, he was wounded. So so people watched him go to the cross and said, wow, see, he's not the son of God. He wouldn't be up on that cross. Why don't you come down if you're the son of God, right? They considered him smitten, right? They considered him, and, and so, but, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. What he went through, he went through for our transgressions. He was our substitute. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. He already had peace with God. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus actually experienced at one point on the cross he became sin. It says you couldn't even recognize him from everything that he took and he actually had that moment where he said, "Father, Father, why have you forsaken me?" He actually experienced our the penalty of our sin, this uh, that moment of separation from his father. That was spiritual death. He went to the grave for us. These verses. So, so listen to this. Don't, don't shut me off yet. It says, He is born, He has carried our griefs. All right? Look it up. That word griefs is a Hebrew word that means sickness. Why do they say griefs? I don't know. But it means sickness almost every time it's used. It speaks of physical sickness. He bore our sickness. in, And it actually means a serious illness that hangs on. A serious illness that hangs on. So Jesus carried serious illness that hangs on. Think of all of the illnesses that come under that category. I saw this this morning or or yesterday, I guess, as I was going through this. I was thinking, and we see this a lot, not just right now, but we see especially in family households where sickness just goes around and around and around from one kid to another through the parents and back. We see it all the time. I mean, we've all seen it. We've all experienced it in households. I believe that fits under this category. I believe this is a promise that we can stand on. He carried that illness that's trying to hang on. That also means we better not quit. We better not pray once and just quit. He carried, but we stand on this. Jesus took this. So it has no right in my home. Does that make sense to you? All right. It says he he carried our sorrows. That means any kind of pain, suffering or sorrow that was the result of the sin condition. All pain, suffering, and sorrow is the result of the sin condition in the earth. He carried that to the cross. The same work, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the same work that paid for the forgiveness of sin paid for our Healing. It wasn't a lesser work. It wasn't a partial work. So what does that mean? That means I should have, and I, I believe I can have, the same confidence about physical healing that I have about forgiveness of sin. I can bring the word to somebody on healing and it can release healing and it can release faith for healing into their life. Just like I can bring the word about forgiveness of sin and what Jesus did at the cross to people and it'll build faith to receive him as savior. Does this make sense to you? Okay, let's look at a couple more before we quit. We've got a few minutes left. All right. So if Jesus carried that penalty for sin to the cross, you don't have to pay that penalty. If he carried your sickness and disease to the cross, you don't have to carry that. Uh, if he carried your poverty to the cross, let's look at that. Um, oh, well, do I not have any of these verses on here? It doesn't matter. I know where they are, so we can go find them. I must have deleted all these verses. I don't care. I know where they are. Okay, so we already looked. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Why do I know where they are? Because these are important verses and I have memorized them and I have meditated on them many, many times throughout my life, so I know where they are. And that should be true of all of us. Okay, substitution. This is really important. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Okay so this is about sin and spiritual death for he made him jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him all right substitution he put our sin on jesus jesus took it to the cross we don't have to have we don't have to have sin in our lives and we don't have to have judgment for sin in our lives we receive what Jesus deserves which is righteousness okay and then we already looked at Matthew chapter 8 verse 17 which quotes Isaiah chapter 53 Isaiah 53 by the way uh the, those verses that by his stripes we are healed those that promise appears 3 times in your bibles it's prophesied in Isaiah 53 it's fulfilled in Matthew 8:17 and then Peter quotes it again in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 he quotes it again and he says it in the past tense we were healed by his stripes all right so those three places all when god says something three times to us we need to pay attention all right so one more and then we'll quit for today go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse nine, I want you to look at this with me. Second Corinthians chapter eight, one more place of substitution, and this one really upsets people. Nevertheless, it's in your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine, it says, "I'm reading for the new King from the New King James." For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. For your sakes, he became poor. Did you get that? For your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, through what he took, you might be made rich. All right, now let's talk about that one. Okay. There is a common Christian misunderstanding about the whole area of poverty, prosperity, abundance, however you want to look at it. These days, you start quoting these verses, people will say, oh, you're teaching prosperity or prosperity teacher. Uh Uh-huh. I am teaching prosperity because the Bible teaches prosperity. It doesn't teach greed. It doesn't teach that every person is going to be uh, at a place in their own life where they can handle As much wealth as God would probably like to bring them without misusing it. But it does tell us that in the substitutionary work of Jesus, here's what this says though he was rich, that word in the Greek means beyond Elon Musk rich, seriously. It means wealthy beyond imagination. It spoke of a person in the Greek world that could fund huge projects without any problem at all. It was a practical term at the time. And when you think about the son of God who could meet your need in planets if he wanted to, he was rich. He owns everything, okay? It says, for your sakes, he became poor. That word poor means absolutely, abjectly, poverty-stricken, poor. For our sakes, he became poor. It's a substitutionary verse. So that you might be made rich. That's what it says. Now let's add a couple things to that. Jesus taught that there's a specific deception and danger around earthly wealth. He said, there's a deception. Money will work deception on you. He didn't say it was bad. He said, You can get deceived by it really easily, so be careful of it. The Bible doesn't teach that money is the root of all evil. It teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not teach that we should be greedy or use what we have to manipulate and dominate and make other lives worse. It teaches that we should use what we have, however much that is, to be generous, to lift up other lives. I'm convinced that this planet was made to make enough, it is capable of there being enough for everybody. And that God's best, okay, God's best is for us to have a lot, even in material things, so that we can bless other people and so that we can create things that are wonderful for that lift other people's lives up. God never intended. People say, well, see, Jesus was poor, so Christians need to be poor. No, Jesus became poor so that Christians didn't have to. But the Bible teaches us that what God wants, John said, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health As your soul prospers, that means as we grow in our spiritual life and our ability to steward things well, including material wealth, then we can use that wealth to God's glory and to help people. And we won't be consumed by it. We won't be brought down by it. But Jesus said, be careful because money is really deceptive. Wealth is really deceptive. I don't remember him warning us about health that way. I don't remember him warning us about other things. We all know this is true. Money can mess up your life, but it's not the money's fault. It's because sometimes we're too spiritually immature to handle what God wants to bring us. So what's the best? What's the solution? Keep focused on the Lord and keep focused On the growth that he's bringing in us so that we can steward everything that he gives us well, so we can steward our relationships well, so that we can steward our assignment to go out and heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead and preach the gospel, so that we can steward our part of that well. We've got to keep growing in the Lord and we've got to have our voice, our focus on him. And at the same time, Don't develop a poverty mentality. Don't develop a mentality that, oh, God just wants to, you know, I I just have to have nothing. Well, you don't have to have nothing. It's a matter of, I don't believe God will bring us things. And sometimes we pray for things that would absolutely destroy us. They would consume us. They would take, they'd become the biggest distraction in our life. Or we are simply not ready on this earth to maintain certain things. There are are certain things, you know, there are things really nice about big houses. Well, it takes an awful lot of maintenance, you know, and it's great if you're ready to do that, it's great. But not everybody's ready to do that. We grow into this stuff, especially where this subject is concerned. But don't buy into this thing that God just wants you poor to make you, I don't know, humble or, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of goofy theology about that. This verse, oh, well, that's just talking, I'm just about done. That's just talking about spiritual wealth. No, it's not. Both of those chapters, Second Corinthians chapter 8, and chapter 9, they are both completely about money. They're about giving. They're about offerings. They're about how much God wants to bless you, what he wants to give to you. Sorry, one more verse. I'm really not sorry. I just say that to try and settle you down. Uh, But yeah, you just all look so upset. Um, One last verse. Here it is, verse 10 of chapter 9. This, I believe, just Puts it all together. Now he who provides seed for the sower, seed for the sower, that means he gives me something and part of that is to give away and seed is there to bring multiplications. It's there to bring more. Uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. 2 Corinthians nine ten. Okay, so it's still in the context of what we were just looking at. He who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, I'm supposed to eat some of what God brings in. Awesome. Will provide and multiply your seed for sowing. That is your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he wants the whole package. He gives us. It is God who gives us seed to sow to bring multiplication and increase. It is God who gives us who gives us to our you know fulfills our needs, provides for our needs, and all of that is to bring him glory and that's what it goes on and and says here all of that is to be done with thanksgiving it is to be get done with our focus on him and when it's done that way god can prosper you and prosper you and prosper you so yeah i believe god wants i believe that god meant what he said when he said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but i have come that you might have life and life more abundantly i believe that i also believe that sometimes we can't handle as much abundance and God's a good father. As much as he would want us want to give us, if we're not ready for it, we might ask for it. I don't believe he gives us things that are just going to bring us into trouble. Okay, I know that was a mouthful. All right, let's stand up and pray together this morning. Substitution, everybody got it? Sin and spiritual death, healing, poverty. All three, okay? Hmm? And pinch hitting. Yes, we learned something today. It's pinch hitting. Thank you, Lord. Boyd can correct that. I think he has the offering next week. He can fix it all. Father, we thank you so much. You are so good. Lord, again, you are magnificently Gracious, magnificently gracious. And Father, we are so grateful for what Jesus took to the cross for us. And I pray, Father, that every one of us would be rooted and grounded in the truths of what Jesus took and what Jesus provided out of that. And that we would live our lives welcoming what you have provided and distributing it and using it as you direct. Father, as we go out into this community, Lord, once again, we just release healing over all these homes where people are home today. Lord, with sickness invading their home that has no right to be there, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray that as we go out this week that we carry the word of life, we carry the word of healing, we carry the word of abundance, we carry the word of forgiveness and grace and mercy. We thank you for it, we thank you for the opportunities that you open for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, don't forget we have remedy worship night tonight. I forgot to bring that up at the yeah six o'clock. Uh, so we were, you know, our our team's a little short, so we need you guys. See, pretty short. Uh, we need you guys to come in and uh, and worship with us, and then we'll just let the Holy Spirit do all that He wants to do. All right, let's say it. On the count of three, I'm in trouble. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.